how did I go from four pull-ups in a set to doing multiple sets of 12 pull-ups? How did I go from barely being able to get to the middle of my shins trying to touch my toes to actually being able to put my thumbs on the floor in that position as well? All this and more. Welcome to Neuroresiliency. My name is Justin. And if you have been enjoying this, please make sure to leave a rating, a review on iTunes and um, Spotify. And if you like being in contact and perhaps having a little bit more interaction, please feel free to sign up to the Substack below. You'll get emails, which you will be able to reply to and talk, talk, talk. Great. With that out of the way, let's begin. Let's talk. So this episode is all about a fitness journey, a fitness journey that I've taken and just some of the results that I wanted to share with everybody to talk about some key points that really seem to make a difference. Now, I've always been very interested in movement things. Like when I was a kid, it was kayaking and rowing and sailing and things like that. Um, growing up, my dad was a contemporary dance as well as a classical Chiquetti ballet teacher. And so until the age of 13, I used to do that as well. Um, you know, at some point I got interested in martial arts and I've been doing martial arts since I was 14. I did Wing Chun Kung Fu for many, many, many years. And then after that, I started doing other types of martial arts and I eventually settled onto one called the eight trigram palms, Bagua Zhang. And I did that to a very high level. Um, yeah, for whew, probably about 10 years, I guess. Quite a long time. Um, and somewhere in the middle, I bought kettlebells and barbells and I started doing heavy lifting and I all kinds of madness. Uh, I was always interested in looking big, looking strong, but being able to handle myself. That's what was important to me. And some of the frustrations that were there were not knowing how to progress. I mean, I could progress in terms of, oh, this is how I get faster at Kung Fu. This is how I get stronger at Kung Fu. This, just do it more. Uh, do this, do that. But I never was able to really move the needle on anything that I wanted. So let me give you the three things that I use to classify my physical fitness now. Cardio, muscles, flexibility. So when I say muscles, what I mean is resistance training, anything that's going to stimulate the you know skeletal muscular system. So we can talk about calisthenics, weight training, whatever it is. Um, but those three are compartments for me that live separately from each other. Now, on top of this, this is just to get a general physical preparedness. And that means that then I can specialize in something like, let's say, Brazilian jiu-jitsu, which I enjoy. I, I like doing Brazilian jiu-jitsu. But thanks to my other experiences with martial arts, I'm not going to dedicate my life to it. You know, I've, I've gone into that pit before. And when I divorced from one of my martial arts, it felt like literally a real divorce. Like I was heartbroken that I, I wasn't going to be able to practice. So <clears throat> the, the idea here is general physical levels that we can achieve. And how do we measure them and what goes on? And so last year I decided to, great, I'm going to increase my cardio. I'm going to get super flexible and I'm going to get nice and muscular. <clears throat> so I've always struggled with putting on size. I've always been a skinny guy. And then when I did put on size, it was just because I was eating a hell of a lot and I didn't look bigger. I looked fatter. I got up to from 60 kilograms is what I was for many, many, many years. As a six foot two guy being 60 kilograms, that is really underweight. 
And then I just started eating and eating and eating. And I got up to a hundred kilograms. There'll be photos that I'll put down below. You can see me with Tim Ferriss at my heaviest as well. It's one of the only photos I've got at that time. And you can see how heavy I look from my face. And the the idea is that, you know, I know in both cases that I didn't feel good. I didn't feel healthy. I didn't feel strong. I didn't feel confident. Came back to emotions as well. But just when I woke up in the morning, I didn't feel like, you know, good in my body. My body didn't felt sore or swollen, a little bit inflamed or whatever, weak, you know. I didn't feel like movement was was a happy place. So I decided to change that last year. And I spent all of last year doing a couple of things. So let's talk about flexibility. Last year, I spent four months with a personalized flexibility coach that I found on Instagram. And I thought I liked what, what I saw there. And I paid for online um, coaching. And I sent him videos after every single session. And I got the updates. And I got a new a new program every four weeks, you know, to adjust. And yeah. And by the end of it, I was no more flexible than when I had started it. By the end of four months, my flexibility had shifted maybe, maybe a couple centimeters with every stretch, a couple centimeters. I was blown away at how ineffective it was. And during that time period, those workouts were so strenuous as well. I could barely, um, find time to do anything else because all I was doing was doing those workouts, which would take me between one and two hours each time I did it. And then a day or two days afterwards recovering. Like it was ridiculous how much it was. And I spent more money getting another course on like gravity yoga and then this type of workout and then this type of thing. And like I went down the rabbit hole and I tried a lot of stuff and it just didn't work. It didn't work. By the end of the year, I was no more flexible than when I had started. But the good thing about that was that I had eliminated a lot of things of what did and didn't work. My experience gained was a lot of trial and error. And a lot of that gave you wisdom of, I know what works and I know what doesn't work for me. And of course, my mind thinks about systems and able to classify the different systems of flexibility. So yes, I'm not talking about active and passive flexibility and static and dynamic. What I'm talking about is that, let's say... If I want to stretch, you know, the back of my leg, you know, touch my toes, then, you know, being able to get into that range of motion is about that opening up, but then strengthening it so I can pull myself into that range of motion means standing up and being able to lift my leg in front of me as well. And that shows the opposite sides muscles being strong as well. So I'm not just like a wet noodle. I'm actually able to control that range of motion very well. So last year, that didn't work. This year, within, I would say, two months, I went from having my fingertips halfway down my shins, trying to touch my toes, to touching my toes, to then fingertips on the floor, to then the, the actual finger pads, the full finger pad on the floor, to then being able to put my all fingertips, which includes the tip of my thumb on the floor. So you know that that's actually a different angle as well. So the depth that I've been able to get with very little effort in now has been phenomenal. And so I'll share that protocol with you um, in a minute. 
So it's the same thing with cardio. Last year, I was researching zone two cardio and mafetone and all these different types of techniques, trial and error. And in October last year, I did a 5K run and I tried to beat my time that I that I got at the beginning of the year when I ran a test 5K run. Now, I'm just using 5K as my as my number because I can't really justify running more than five kilometers. I think that might be a waste. Even 5K is a bit long to run, but I think it's good for the body. So 5K is my time that I'm training for. Why? Because it just makes a lot of sense to me. So perhaps yours might be longer or shorter, you know? see the previous episode about contextualizing information for yourself, but this is where I'm at. And at, in October last year, that is 2022, I ran a 5k for my birthday with my good friend Skip. And turns out I was actually slower, even though my heart rate was even higher in October compared to that first session that I did. So that means that a lot of the training that I was doing, this zone two training, and I was following Peter Atiyah's protocols of like, you know, zone two training, 40 minute sessions, uh, three times a week with another session on a Saturday to do sprint training or, you know, that kind of, like, it didn't work for me. It didn't, didn't work for me. So we might be saying, well, well, why didn't it work? And I'll, I'll get to that in a minute as well. And the last one, let me start with this, is then going to be muscle training. So last year, again, frustrated, looked at myself in the in the mirror. I was like, ah, like I feel like I'm a lot, you know, I should be bigger. I'm frustrated. I know a load of things of like where the muscle insertions are, you know, what the ranges should be of this and that and the next thing, you know. Um, <clears throat> I've I've studied a lot about muscles in the past, but no one wants to listen to someone you know, if you're giving advice to someone on how to exercise and you're a string bean, like, why would anyone listen to you? And so I never used to give my opinion about anything because I wanted to be able to apply myself to my knowledge. You know, I have a tattoo on my arm, which is a hand. And in the palm of the hand is an eye. And this is what my values are. The idea that the eye represents insights, knowing, seeing, understanding. Okay, there's a certain amount of knowledge, and the hand represents action. How much can we actually take of that knowledge and apply that knowledge? And so that is something that is very important to me to be able to take this knowledge and apply it. And last year, I submitted myself to a flexibility coach because I knew nothing. And I thought, well, he's got knowledge and he can apply it to me. Well, that didn't work. And then I tried to dig into it on my own, and it didn't work either. I try to dig into cardio on my own. I try to follow a couple of other famous people too. You can see my previous episode that I made on cardio as well. It's going to be in the posts below. And yeah, I didn't really get anywhere. It was quite quite interesting. I didn't really get anywhere significant. There was one or two circumstances where I was at Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu and these 25-year-olds, bearing in mind I'm you know about 40 now. I'm 41 this year, 42 in a couple of months. And, um, you know, I was rolling around in Brazilian jiu-jitsu and these kids who were 25 were gassing out before me. So that's great. But still, you know, when I compare myself to myself, you know, I wasn't necessarily moving the needle. Um, and then with muscle stuff, I was looking at myself in the mirror and I wasn't very happy with my musculature. Not at all. I was like, ah, oh, why can't I apply what I know to actually move the needle for me? And so I started. Um, in November last year, after my birthday, I looked at my pull-ups. I'm like, how many pull-ups can I do? And I did a set of pull-ups and I did four. 
and I had to take a very long break. And then I tried another set of pull-ups and I did three. And then I took a very long break and I tried another set of pull-ups and I did one. So in a single session, I did four, three, one. So that gives me eight total pull-ups. Eight total pull-ups. Starting there, I was like, that's fine. You know what? I'm not going to judge myself. I'm starting at eight pull-ups. How can I get this higher? And more to the point, how can I actually get bigger by doing what I need to do? So this is a lot of my frustrations. And then basically, I could hear different people's voices in my heads about how often I overcomplicate things, how often I take something and just make it more complex than it needs to be. So keep it simple, stupid. So what I decided to do was give myself a quantity metric first before quality. And that's exactly what happened. I just decided, okay, great. I'm going to start with pull-ups. And I'm going to do pull-ups three times a week. And I'm going to do as many pull-ups as I can in a set. And I'm just going to then give it a break. Now, according to the science, you should be giving at least a two-minute break if you want to favor building muscle so that you can completely replenish all the muscles with their, you know, the ATP stores. And then you can uh, exercise it again in the next set. And that's exactly what I did. So I did as many push-ups as I, uh, sorry, pull-ups as I could to the max. And I took a long break. I actually, I actually took uh, breaks of on average between three and five minutes. And then I went back and I did as many as I could. And I went back and I did, and I was doing between five to 10 sets per workout, which is a bit overkill to be honest with you. And I started doing this. And by the time I stopped this particular way of doing it, of just doing as many sets, as many reps as possible, I had increased my pull-ups from four in, in the first set to 12 in the first set. By the beginning of the year, January, I started tracking it. And I think it was by May, I had done a total count. How many pull-ups that year? It was over a thousand pull-ups that year. So just by increasing the number, the quantity, I was able to really get results. And this was the first time in my life where I obeyed a couple of things with regard to building muscle, which was, and this all comes from something called the House of Hypertrophy. If you've seen this YouTube channel, the House of Hypertrophy, they review studies and they look at it and they decide what um, what is per perhaps good or what is perhaps um, you know not a well done piece of design research. And so try and ignore this, try and maybe stick with this and see what results you get. And the two things that they said was break times matter. Okay, cool. Three to five minutes per break favors muscle building. Okay, I'll stay with that. Great. What else? Going to failure usually means that you need to recover. You know, so if you fail not being able to do it, it means that you need more recovery. But if you go close to failure, close to failure, you need much less recovery and you're able to do a lot more work. Well, how do you know if you are close to failure if you don't fail? You know, if you don't take yourself to that point of failure. So that's what I started doing is taking myself to failure so I could get comfortable with the sensations. Uh, how would I know if I'm close to failure if I don't know what failure is? So everything just became to failure. I will do pull-ups until I can't do pull-ups anymore. It's that simple. And that's what I started doing. Um, and I started to see change in my muscularity as well. 
So I'm broader, I'm bigger, you know, it, it made a difference in my arms, uh, my shoulders, my chest, my lats as well. And I made sure to focus on um, all of these things when I was doing these pull-ups. Now I have applied this to other areas as well. So there's other things that have complemented this, for example, like going to failure in, you know, bicep curls and tricep extensions and whatever, and just making sure that um, taking it close to those points where I'm like, I can't do another rep. I, I'm literally at failure. Uh, and then testing. Okay, let's try and push out one more. Let's try and push out one more. So that really made a difference for me. And I hope that this makes a difference for you is this idea of go, just do more. So don't try and do it all in one session, but try and spread it out over the week and just try and do more. So even if it, if that's two sets to failure each training session and you do multiple training sessions a week let's say five training sessions a week as opposed to one training session where you're doing 10 sets and they're all till failure you're going to get much better results by increasing your frequency so when we talk about quantity it's talking about frequency as well as what you're doing in each set in each sitting as well and that's what i started doing i was like let's apply this you know, if my body needs to feel this frequently and my body needs to feel a certain stimulus, which is going to failure, what does that look like for cardio? So I just started increasing my frequency with cardio and just getting out and doing runs. And at, at first it started with 10 minute runs and then it went up to 15 minute runs and then 20 minute runs. And now um, on a Saturday and on a Sunday in the mornings, I will just go out and I will run out for 30 minutes. And then I'll turn around and start running back. And usually a bit of a loop or something like that. But we're talking about 50-minute to 60-minute runs every Saturday and every Sunday now. That seems to be what I'm able to, to put in. And of course, I've seen all my markers go up with cardio. My VO2 max has increased by three points since last year, which is incredible. Um, sorry, two points. It went up from, no, three points. It went up from 46 to 49. Um, which is great. So I'm in the top 20%, I believe, uh, or top 15% um, of you know VO2 max results. So technically, they say my fitness age is that of a 20 year old. I'm like, yeah, that's great. Let's not let's not you know take that and say we I'm the best. Let's rather just say, cool. Can I make it regular? Can I make it normal for me? And can I do better? So the cardio has increased as well. And then starting to dial in the quality of the cardio has been the next thing. The frequency has increased. And then the quantity within that frequency has increased. And now let's dial in the quality. So that Saturday and Sunday is all zone two training. And when I run during the week, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, I'll run for shorter periods of time, 10 to 15 minutes. And that tends to be zone three training or zone five training, like sprint training. And that's pretty much where everything has been sitting. Now, the last one is the flexibility. So great. How can I increase frequency? Well, just do it every day. Great. But what are the markers? What does the body need to feel? What is the mechanism that signals, okay, we need to improve our flexibility? Well, according to uh, Movement by David, if you've seen him online, um, he says it really, really clearly. And this backs up like a lot of the science, a lot of the studies that I found as well which is that 30 seconds of being in a stretched position is all that your muscle needs to increase flexibility. But 
what intensity? Can you just sit there and chill out for 30 seconds? So it needs to be 60 to 70% intensity, which means in terms of tolerating it, it needs to be a six or a seven out of 10 of, you know, difficult to uncomfortable. And this has been the conclusion for everything. The realization of do something more frequently, increase the amount of time that you spend in it, great. But when you do it, you want to feel strong and confident, but uncomfortable. Strong and confident, but uncomfortable. And that has been the greatest realization for me in my fitness journey. And I hope that that serves you. I'd like to hear a little bit more about your fitness journeys. What has worked well for you? In the last cardio episode that I did, I had a few people reach out to me and share with me what they were doing as well. Very interesting. I'd love to hear more about it from you. I'm focused on these things. What about you? Is there anything that I've said that you would disagree with? Or with regard to what I've been doing, how would you uh, modify it for yourself? What would you change? What have you been finding a lot of success with? I'd love to hear from you. Like I said, if you've enjoyed this episode, please make sure to rate it on iTunes and on Spotify. If you're on iTunes, a review would be greatly appreciated. And if you want to communicate a little bit more, think about signing up to the Substack. That's all for now. I appreciate you. My name is Justin. Ciao for now.